0: I think that we are always going to be part of a flashpoint in in like culture wars or just changing attitudes because games are distillation of our our human or really our cultural values and, and questions that are coming up in our society. It's our dreams. It's what we're imagining. It's what we're afraid of. It's, you know, it's scenarios that we're exploring and interested in playing with. So I think that's always going to be the case.
2: and
1: the Haymarket YouTube channel to access all of our upcoming events. Hello everyone, welcome to Game GameWorker Solidarity, organizing from the screen to the table. Uh, wonderful to have you here, thank you for joining us today. I'm Austin Kelmore and I'll be kicking this off. Uh, this event is in two parts today, the first is announcing GameWorker Solidarity game worker solidarity. And I have uh, Jamie and Natalia here to uh, talk with me about the project. And then the second part is a discussion with Activision Blizzard and Paizo workers about their experiences organizing and unionizing in the games industry. Uh, Jamie, would you like to give a quick introduction for yourself?
3: Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Jamie Woodcock, and I've been working Uh, on the Game Worker Solidarity Project uh, with Austin, uh, and I'm an academic based in the UK. And
4: Natalia, how about yourself?
5: Sure. Uh, My name is Natalia Nedsetskaya. I'm also an academic. I'm a sociologist at the University of California, Berkeley. And I'm a part of Collective Action and Tech which is an archive of the tech workers movement. Um, we've been working with Game worker Solidarity for a little while, um, and I'm really excited to be here for this effort.
1: Great, thank you. Uh, so. Uh, As I mentioned, I'm Austin Kelmore, uh, and I've been an engineer and engineering manager for the past 14 years in the games industry. I'm one of the many game workers in the UK that helped found the game workers branch of the IWGB union and was its secretary, then chair, and now an active member. Um, A little over a year ago, uh, John from Haymarket Books kindly invited Jamie Woodcock, Emma Kenema, and myself to have a conversation and reflect over the past several years of worker organizing in the games industry. While we were talking before the event, we bounced around ideas for a way to capture all of the knowledge we had in our heads about the many struggles game workers have had to improve their working conditions across the globe. Out of that discussion came the idea for what would become Game Worker Solidarity. And today, I'm so proud of the work that everyone has done over the past year to make it a reality. We've built a site that has a map and a list of every collective movement of game workers that we've been able to find going back almost 70 years in one case. We want to not only show the events involving well-known companies like Activision Blizzard, but also uh, the ones that are less well-known, like a current one with Lockwood Publishing, where the workers are trying to force the company to obey the law. Uh, Three and a half years ago, when Game Workers Unite first started, I didn't know anything uh, about unions or organizing at all in either the US where I'm originally from or the UK where I now live. Uh, I still remember the first meeting about unionizing I went to and how nervous I was. Uh, since that meeting, <laughs> I feel like I've learned a ridiculous amount and what I've seen time and time again is that we are more powerful together than we are alone. Uh, this living archive of collective mo- uh, movements by game workers is something I wish I had when I started out to help me see that others are pushing together all over the world. Uh, so to, to get together we will make a better games industry and a better world. Um yeah so that's my kind of little spiel in the beginning I'd uh, love to hand it off to Jamie
3: Thanks so much Austin um what what Austin didn't tell you of course is we were we were playing video games on the call uh or rather Austin was playing video games and I was trying to desperately catch up um while we were playing together and you know what I really like about this project is it's one of those things where we kind of you know a couple of us got together and said you know, wouldn't this thing be a great idea uh, to do? Wouldn't it have been nice for us to have it uh, when the game work organizing started? And then, you know, a year later, something pops up out of uh, uh, out of the internet and uh, and can play that role. And yeah, I mean, I think a lot has changed since Austin, Emma, and I had that had that conversation. Uh, when we were, when we were doing, doing an event with Haymarket and an awful lot has changed since the first time I met you, Austin, um, in terms of, of game work organizing. And I think for me, one of the reasons why I think this project is important is, you know, often we look back at moments like this and think, you know, Amazing things have happened, or people have gone through so much, or they've learned all these things. But we rarely at the time think, let's document what's going on. You know let's collect those stories in the here and now. Let's find out where people went from one campaign to another, or you know who was introduced to who, and you know what union got involved supporting one group of workers or or what we can learn from uh, from campaigns in one place or another. And so we kind of said to ourselves, it would be really great to not look back in five years' time and go, wouldn't it have been nice to remember the details of the victories that people had in the game workers uh, in the the industry in in the UK and US and elsewhere? And so this is what we're really trying to do with the project, is to capture those successes that people are having, um, to share stories about where game workers have been able to organise, where they've been able to win something from, uh, from an employer, Uh, you know, where they've launched a campaign or they've tried some new creative tactic. Because I think what Austin says is really important, that when all of this started, there were very few resources for game workers to look to. And so that's what organizing can look like in our industry. You know, that's what successfully coming together and winning something looks like. Um, And so we were really inspired. And that's why it's really fantastic to have Natalia on the call as well is inspired by what Collective Action in Tech had been doing with documenting tech workers' struggles. Um, because I think, you know, Haymarket books aside, there are very, very few places that publicize effectively what working class organizing looks like, what industrial organizing looks like, what new forms of trade unionism look like. And so these things can be really hard to find. Um, and that's what we want to do with this project is to, to publicize what's been happening, to share things with the hope that it can become a kind of live archive that, uh, that people look to for inspiration and look to for, for thinking about new steps in campaigns, but also that we can all look back on in the future and kind of see, see where, uh, where things have, where things have gone and when they're, when they're going. Um, and Austin and I also have a, a, a competition, which I hope you don't mind me uh, saying on the call, Austin, which is we're trying to find the earliest ever example of game worker organizing. Um, and I thought I had had won this competition um, by looking at uh, a factory occupation of Atari workers in Ireland in the 70s. Uh, but Austin's currently in the lead, uh, having found a... Uh, a protest of workers at Nintendo when it was a card uh, a kind of card game manufacturer. So please have a look at the website. You know if you see things that are missing, we'd love for people to add uh, examples of things they've done or things we've missed, and you can also enter the competition for the earliest ever example of uh, of game worker organizing. Um, but yeah, on a more serious note, there are a few thank yous that I want to say uh, for for the project. Um, I mean, of course, thank you to Natalia, who's going to come on and speak next for for the inspiration from Collective Action in Tech. Um, but I also want to say a big thank you to the cooperative that developed the website for us, Common Knowledge, uh, and in particular to Gemma, to Jan and Alex, who've worked really hard on putting together this website that we're yeah really proud to put out into the world. Um, to thank the Open University, uh, because they paid for it. Um, so to thank them for the grant that that gave us the time uh, to do this, um, thanks to Haymarket, of course, for setting up this talk, but but also for for the chance for me and Austin and Emma to to have that discussion. And I also just want to say I'm, you know, incredibly humbled t- that we have uh, workers involved in in live campaigns at uh, Activision Blizzard and at Paizo who are going to come and share their experiences. Um, and we hope the website can be useful for for things that all of you are doing. and for for other game workers out there who are looking at what you're doing and thinking, "I want to have a go at that," We hope this website can can play some role in uh, in doing that. So, yeah, thanks a lot, everyone.
1: Thank you, Jamie. Uh, and Natalia, I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts on your experiences with collective action in tech and um, how you see uh, game worker solidarity working with that.
5: Thank you, Austin. And thank you, Jamie. Um, It's so exciting for me to be here um, because I feel like this archiving, like archiving itself can be thought of as a movement and can play such an important role in defining movements, um, even when they're decades and years and years along in the process. Um, So it's exciting to see this. And it's also uh, exciting to see um, people thinking about tech, uh, technology as something that's historical I think we haven't had that perspective, um, really in the industry, um, in the press and other places. Uh, I will say you guys have this beat. Our earliest event in the archive is 1969. So good job. 1955. I'm jealous. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I'll speak a little bit about Collective Action in Tech and what it is, um, and a bit about how that project came about. And I think, you know, the goals are the same. Um, so this is an archive that was started by tech workers for tech workers. Um, full credit goes to J.S. Tan and Ben Tarnoff, who some of you might know for his amazing work covering the tech workers movement as a journalist. Um, so this started out on GitHub and it was just a collection of, um, protests that had happened in tech recently. Um, Maven was making a big splash with Google. Tech, the tech lash was something that journalists were getting excited about and covering. And people had this conception in their minds that, wow, this is brand new. We've never seen anything like it. Um, and the archive, when, uh JS and Ben started archiving this, I think it already became apparent to them there's a longer history here. And when you think about these tech worker movements, worker movements in general, in terms of the history, you realize these issues aren't new and they keep recurring and there are bigger systemic problems that exist in these industries um, and kind of exist in our economy. Um, so archiving this, uh, for instance, I'll give a, I'll give an example. I like to use, uh, Amazon's earliest organizing efforts from the early two thousands, like 2004, I want to say. Um, and we're seeing a lot of, uh, news headlines with Amazon workers right now. And you realize some of those efforts have been going on for decades. Um, it puts things into perspective and it makes you realize, you know, this is why Organizing is important. This is why having that formal kind of structured change is is as important as it is. Um, So uh, the work that, and I'll mention we uh, we are big fans of your work, Jamie. And we never sought to archive the game workers uh, movement because it seemed like there was already such a rich history and um, almost like it was such an inspiring history. It felt like tech workers are catching on late in the game. Uh, and your archive proves that in some ways. Um, so our uh, Arch- archive never looked at video games specifically. Um, it's fantastic that we now have this incredible resource uh, for workers um, uh, to draw upon and to kind of inform us of that history. Um, I think... This is, these sorts of efforts are so important for reasons that you mentioned, really providing workers resources, letting them know what's going on in the industry, what happened, what worked, uh, what didn't, what you can, ex- what kind of reaction you can expect uh, for management. Um, and I also think that historical framing, I mean, we've had a lot of journalists use our archive and it changes how they write stories because all of a sudden they're not writing about an isolated event, they're writing about a movement. And you realize that movements are, you know, thousands of people strong. It's it's never just a single whistleblower. There are so many people there behind that. Um, so I think that emphasis on the collective is so so important, and on solidarity. Um, and this event that's happening here, the fact that we have workers from the industry who are doing the hard work of organizing, um, I think that's really what this comes down to. It comes down to: are these resources helpful for you all? Um, and are we in communication with you, because I think these archives need to be defined by the people who are involved in these movements. Um, they don't need to be defined by, you know, academics who are sitting in armchairs and ivory towers somewhere. So having events like this and sharing the narratives and you know the realities of what organizing looks like, um, that's just so, so, so important. Um, I want to leave room for those narratives. Um, So I feel like I've said my bit. I'm happy to answer questions, of course, but uh, really this space is yours and um, yeah, I applaud this effort, this project. Um, It's so cool.
1: Thank you. Uh, That was lovely. Um, uh, I would love to just kind of go over the the basics of the website for a little bit and show you what we've done. Um, So the Uh, the kind of impetus for this all was being able to show that the organizing around the world is is really happening in like around the world. Um, Oftentimes we hear of things in Ubisoft or Activision Blizzard in in like very specific locations. Um, But uh, we can perhaps miss things that happen in like uh, South Korea or Japan or, um, you know, things that happened 30, 40 years ago, something like that. Uh, So what we've done is uh, built a website that you can see both the map um, and the timeline, as well as all of the events that have happened. And uh, this is something that we've painstakingly uh, collected, but as Jamie said earlier, I'm sure we've also missed a bunch. Um, So if you want to add stuff, um, I see that actually during this call, we've already had someone submit something, which is fantastic. So please, please submit more. Um, And uh, one of the things I think that was really interesting is just as we were going through this, uh, we were constantly finding more and more things and being able to tie storylines together um, and and understand kind of the history of organizing in the games industry. Um, You know, a very specific instance that that Jamie talks about is the uh, occupation of a factory in Limerick, uh, an Atari factory. Um, And similar time uh, at the similar time in California, they were going for a union vote, um, which they ended up not winning, but it's still all related to kind of the the struggle that was going on at the workplace. And so, being able to see all of that and dive into all of it uh, is just kind of uh, opened my eyes in a way to kind of all the organizing that's going on. So we hope that, uh, like Natalia said, um, you know, uh, news organizations will be able to use this site. Um, other organizers will be able to use it. Uh, we'll be able to provide analysis or kind of insights that we have as uh, game worker organizers ourselves. Um, to help others uh, kind of foster and and grow this movement. Um, Yeah, so one of the things also is that all of this data is completely accessible on the website. If you go to the data tab, um, you can see all of the Airtable data, which is, uh, you can download it as a CSV, you can use it however you want. Um, We want, uh, I would love to see what others can do with this data, um, what you can analyze, what you can figure out. Um, So please, please go for it. Uh, and I think, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the gist. Jamie, uh, did you want to follow up with anything there?
3: I think that's a it's a really great, really really great overview to it. And I guess just to say, you know, there are probably many things that we've missed, and there may well be things that uh, people know more about an event that happened. And we've tried to make it really easy to to see the data, but also to submit your own entry. Um, and if there's stuff on there that you you think should be there, you know. Please get in touch with us. Let us know about it. Um, and I guess you know one of the things that I'm I'm kind of keen for us to think about is, you know, unlike in the 70s when the Atari workers were occupying, or unlike the Nintendo example in the 50s, you know, we have other ways to document struggles and share them today, right? Um, and I think there are some really fantastic examples, like the Kickstarter podcast that really goes through the history of organizing there. Of you know, we should be using the tools that are available to us to share what we're doing and share share lessons with other people. Um, because that's what I think. What's been so exciting about what's happening in the games industry, right, is the the speed uh, and creativity of uh, of things that have, have been happening. Um, and I think there's lots of people that could take inspiration uh, from that. Uh, but I don't want to take uh, any more of the time because I think we've got some some fantastic speakers to come.
1: Great. Uh, maybe we can open it up to a little bit of QA and a if uh, there are any questions about the, the website initially, and then we can um, move on to talking with the Activision Blizzard workers and Paizo workers. All right. So there's no questions about the site yet. Uh, so... I guess what we can do then is uh, let's move over to the Activision Blizzard workers and Paizo workers. And then if people want to ask questions about the website, have a look themselves, um, feel free to ask questions in the chat. And uh, we will get to them at the end then. All right. So I will hand this over to uh, Alex then.
2: Oh, gosh, that's me. Okay. Um, I actually, before before you you hand things over to me, I do actually have a a question about the website. I was gonna break in, but I didn't know if it was my place to do so. Um, I you've you've said a little bit, you know, that that you'd like people to to contribute uh, events and solidarity things that they find. Can you can you talk me as as a layman through how I how I might do that if I find this article about something that's happened?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so, there is a uh, submit action button um, at the or submit action tab at the top there, uh, which connects to a form that you can fill out that literally has the date. You can specify the country, the location, uh, the name of the event, a short, short summary, and a link to some article that uh, describes the event. And if there's any relevant um, information, like a flyer or something that you want to attach, Uh, just to archive, then feel free to attach that Um, and then some notes as well. And basically, if you submit that, then we get a notification about it and uh, just have to look at it, probably do some little formatting and then uh, approve it. So um, it's a very, very quick process from you submitting something to us, being able to approve it and it going live on the site. Um, Yeah, good question. Thank you.
2: Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's super useful. I like that. It's, you know, it's, it's very much a a living tribute to, to. and another very important question. Um, what is the prize for finding the oldest worker action?
4: I
1: don't know that we've ever considered one, maybe pride.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's to be confirmed. Yeah. Ah, great. (laughs) It's bragging rights right now. That's, That's a good enough prize for some, um, yeah. Okay. Well, th- th- thank you, thank you both, and thank you, Natalia, as well for you know um, for inviting us to this event because we're all we're all here because of the the website and to to promote it and to talk about what it means and and gamer solidarity and all those sorts of things. Um, so I'll just introduce myself real quick, and then I will ask uh, the the other the other workers that are here with me from the game industry to go ahead and introduce themselves. But, uh, my name is Alex Speidel. He, him, um, I work for Paizo. I have worked for uh, Paizo publishing for almost the last two years at this point. I am the organized play coordinator, which means that I work with our, our volunteers in our community to put on our events and our, our games in the local game stores. Um, and yeah, I was also one of the the organizers for the Paizo unionization movement that took place over the the past couple of months and that is still in progress as we start to work on negotiating our contract. Um, but it's very exciting to be, you know, sort of part of. Part of this movement, part of this this industry, and so I want to talk to some of the other workers that are that are here with me. Um, one of whom I work with regularly, and the others I'm getting to meet today. Um, so, uh, let's see. I'm just going to pull up the participant list here and start down the list that way for introductions. Um, Aubrey, would you like to uh,
1: introduce yourself?
6: I was dreading this moment.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're up first.
6: My name is Aubrey Ryan. I am one of our organizers at Activision Blizzard. I do a lot of more, well, just spaces, a lot of our official social media and stuff of that nature. I tend to push our internal initiatives and have been doing a lot to help represent our workers and uplift them in the workplace.
2: Awesome. Uh, thank you for being here. Um, let's see. Uh, Jessica.
7: Hey, um, I'm Jessica Gonzalez. I work at Blizzard Entertainment currently. I've been in the video game industry for about seven years now, um, and I have organized two of our walkouts and I inspired another studio to have a walkout that they're having currently. So that is uh, developing and ongoing. And yes, like Aubrey mentioned, I've done a lot of the uh, press releases and um, official messaging from our ABK Workers Alliance too. um you know the community and the press so i do a lot of that work there but i really do appreciate avry and nora so much because they help with a lot of the internal initiatives
2: yeah um and uh speaking of nora nora would you like to introduce yourself
8: yeah sure um so my name's is nora uh, i'm a senior software engineer at blizzard um i helped with some of the physical lockout logistics early on and today uh the role I take is concerned citizen. Um, I mainly listen. I have a lot of one-on-one conversations with coworkers uh, across the company about workplace issues, and I try to learn ways that we can make things better at the company.
2: Awesome, uh, thank the three of you for being here uh, from from Activision Blizzard. And then uh, my coworker, Jenny, if you would like to introduce yourself as well. <laughs>
0: Uh, hi, um, I'm Jenny Jarzabsky, she, they. I work at Paizo as a developer. I've been writing and creating game design, different content for the tabletop RPG industry for about eight years now. Uh, like Alex, I am one of the organizing members of the United Paizo Workers Union, which we did uh, in the past months get recognized by our, our workplace, which is excellent. But uh, of course, our, our work isn't over as we're preparing to move into negotiations with our lead- Leadership team and the executives at Paizo. and again, I'm just really thankful to be here with uh, with you folks from Blizzard and uh, Blizzard Activision, rather, and other other folks in the gaming industry who've been doing so much awesome work. Uh, it's really cool, and this this is just a super awesome movement. And it's yeah. it's interesting how connected we all can be now with things like social media and the internet. So it's really cool to be here.
2: Yeah. Um, Jenny, I want to, I want to age you slightly by pointing out that I've just done the math and the recognition was actually two whole months ago, which is um, both longer than I thought and not nearly long enough. Uh,
0: Yeah. I almost, (laughs) Said weeks and then I thought to myself, wait a minute, I think it's been more like months. <laughs> what is time? Yeah, I don't yeah.
2: know. But yeah. Yeah, time <laughs> time is time is a lot lately. Anyway. Yes. Um, yeah. So I wanna I wanna sort of talk to each group about kind of what how how organizing kind of started at the workplace and sort of what what things look like now and kind of what inspired that and really get a, a top line view for those who might not be familiar with one or both of our, our companies. But before we do that, because we are here, you know, celebrating the launch of the, the Solidarity website. Site, um, you know, for anyone who uh, anyone who wants to speak up, I just want to know kind of what something that you like about the website or something that you think is going to be, you know, useful to us, not just in our own organizing efforts or just the the game industry in general, as we unionize going forward. Because I think it's a really great tool, and I'd like to kind of highlight some of the ways that that we think it's going to help us out. So if anyone wants to go ahead and jump in with that. and I'll speak up at once. I mean, I can answer, but then I'll just be monologuing. So. I'll
7: answer. I think it's <laughs> great. great to have an archive of everything that's been done and currently being done because we can learn from each other, right? Like we're less siloed. I feel like as an industry we're, we we kind of get siloed in our disciplines. So like, it's nice to have the, the grand picture of like, here are, here's everything that went well. Here's where we failed in some ways. So it's like, a group learning experience as well as like a, a live archive of everything going on and has gone on for a while. So I'm really, really liking this and happy to be a part of it. So thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think another thing is, um, like, like Jessica
8: said, history is very important. Um, every day, you know, we try to be a better version of who we were yesterday. Um, my hope is that by documenting this history, uh, one day people will look back and, get to feel good about how far we've come.
2: Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think it's, it's nice for me to kind of see the different, the the different things that have gone on and just sort of be part of, of that history and just adding, adding another step to it. It's, it's very strange still for me even to like have my name in the credits of books or something. So to know that things that we're doing are going to be documented on this is just, it's, it's a lot, but it's, it's exciting, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think where I would like to to start here um, and I'll start with the with the Activision Blizzard folks is just can you kind of you know, we're talking about history here. Can you kind of give me a, a sense of the the organization that has occurred at your company, like sort of what started you all to start talking to each other, start really planning these kinds of actions and how has that sort of you know galvanized or, or grown over the over the past months to where we are now?
7: Yeah, it's a great question. And I'll take this one if anyone minds. Sure. Um, cool. Okay, so I will say it was kind of like a mass agitation event. I think everyone kind of uh, can get a sense of what that was. But it was almost as if like, wow, we're living through some someone else's like history and people that are currently at the company, you know, like not feeling safe. Right. So I think we all just kind of collectively agreed that this was something that we need to do better on and our leadership, you know, was mishandling a lot of it. So we kind of just started having discussions and then opening those discussions even broader. And it's just been a lot of work from agitation to action. So it's actually quite nice to see, um, and yeah, I feel like we still have some work to do, and I'm really excited to have Pazio here because you know they did it, so um, it's really cool. <laughs> um, and yeah, I I think it was just that mass agitation event that everyone was like, all right, solidarity time.
2: Yeah, uh, for, uh, for for for. Oops, I clicked the wrong button. Uh, for for Nora and and Aubrey, what was what was that time sort of like for you? you? There was this this mass agitation event, which you know we can make allusions to, but I guess sort of what were what were you feeling and what sort of made you want to to get involved as part of that?
8: Um, so I, I think the the mass agitation event. I mean I mean so back in July. Um, We, you know, the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing filed a lawsuit against Activision Blizzard for fostering a company culture in which uh, female employees were subjected to sexual harassment, discrimination and unequal pay. Um, The allegations outlined in the lawsuit were pretty harrowing. Um, So everyone was kind of reeling from that news because not everybody was aware that this was going down. Um, And then the company then released a statement which claimed that the lawsuit contained distorted and in many cases, false descriptions of Blizzard's past. Um, And so, you know, for me, I got to look around and witness um, a lot of the folks who were there during that time and uh, had actually been victims of some of this behavior uh, and some of these things outlined in the lawsuit uh, started stepping forward. And um, basically they felt as though the company was calling them liars. Um, So it was, it was actually quite emotional. Um, I I got to see you know the the raw uh, anxiety, sadness, frustration, anger um, of a lot of my my colleagues. Um, so it was heartbreaking. Um, so for me, it was just a, a matter of I, I was thinking like, how can I, you know, let people know what they can do within you know the the confines of like California law, for instance. Um I, I, I don't have much, but I do have like, you know, like if, if I feel like I'm, I'm doing something, then I feel like I'm somehow you know pushing forward uh, and, and being there for them.
4: So
6: for me, probably the most incredible thing that I've watched out of all of this is the people that were neutral to everything since the initial lawsuit breakage suddenly becoming very involved in our activism. Um, we had the Wall Street Journal article break and a lot of the details of what our leadership was aware of. And it was just a call to arms. We saw thousands more of our peers pool into our spaces, looking for ways that they can be involved, looking for ways that they can help. And I think that was really inspiring to watch. And it really pushed me to be more active and take a bigger stand and help guide in directions, ways people could go and where we could be involved.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's 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 interesting to, you know, hear those hear those stories and kind of see, oh, yeah, we kind of we, we kind of went through a lot of the the same the same stuff. So I guess on that, I will sort of, you know, pivot over to Jenny and ask sort of, you know, can you <laughs> can you say a lot of the same things and sort of talk about how the the efforts that Paizo started and what sort of inspired that group to to start organizing as well?
0: Yeah, um, there are a lot of similarities in these two tales. Ours, ours on a smaller scale, but it's I'm hearing just a lot of the same landmarks that happened in our journey too. Um, we also had sort of an inciting incident and some pu- uh, publicity surrounding incidents of allegations made by former employees, uh, and. We, we had, you know, all these stories kind of coming out. And our community was, you know, our community of like players and fans and volunteers, as well as our staff, were absolutely, you know, outraged and, and shocked uh, in some cases by this information. And so everyone there was, there was that same kind of outpouring of support, um, not only within between the staff, but also our contractors, our freelance writers and developers, designers, mostly, um, they kind of came together. And the first thing they, Actually, did uh, after they they sort of formed this uh, this little network uh, completely independently of the staff. We we actually didn't know this had happened until much later. But they formed a little network and they started planning what they wanted to do and how they wanted to respond because this was a group of people who they make the the, the material and the books that we publish possible by contributing a lot of their writing and and their expertise to it. So they decided that they didn't want to work with our company until certain allegations. Uh, Had been addressed. And until leadership was making a commitment to work with us, the staff, to to make a better workplace environment for us. And so they sent out a letter to some of our executives saying they would no longer work and in some cases would withhold their their work until that time, you know, until such a time as you know those those things had been addressed, and that was extremely powerful because you know they didn't know if they would be. That was essentially a non official strike or demonstration because they didn't have any employment um, guarantees or any protections as contractors. And we saw it on staff as a massive, or most of us saw it as just kind of this massive support gesture. And in a way, they really made this possible. Um, At that point, we all started talking to them and talking to each other just to emotionally support each other, hearing these allegations, looking around, seeing, like, looking at our own experiences, comparing, you know, seeing what could be better, seeing stories break in the media of, like, what was going on at Activision and other gaming companies. And we all were able to come together using discord and and Skype and texting and just kind of realized that we had a support group and that there were people who wanted a union. Like the more people we all messaged, like, Hey, should we organize? Like, is that, is that something we want? And then realizing it's something everyone or most people really had thought about at least once. And so that kind of gave birth to our movement um, and got, got overwhelming support within our staff. So yeah, it really was that that show of community and us really being in solidarity with each other that led us to be able to do that and start having those conversations.
2: Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was an emotional time, I think for a lot of us, but it was inspiring to sort of see everyone come together. And like you say, we took, you know, a lot of inspiration from the the folks over at, over at Activision and Blizzard who were similarly, you know, starting to to organize and speak up mm-hmm. around the same time. Um, and I want to ask them, you know, sort of briefly, what you know, what sort of led you to specifically decide that you were that you were going to to organize a walkout and that that's what you wanted to do. So, sort of, how did that I guess, come together as far as how did you decide to do? And then sort of mechanically, how did you, you know, say, okay, this is what we're doing. This is when we're doing it. And this is why we're doing it.
7: Yeah, I can talk to that. Um, So we, like Jenny uh, mentioned, you know, Discord is like a huge thing. So we kind of just like got everyone into Discord server and we're like, hey, like who wants to organize a walkout? And I was like, I do. And then um, so we just were like, here's all the things we need. We need signs and just kind of like went through all the logistics. We had like people that were like, okay, I'm going to bring waters for everyone. We had people donate porta potties, which is really crazy and also yeah, we had like the, it was such a great solidarity time. Just like, no, we're not going to accept this as workers. Like we could do better. So it just, we all just collectively organized through discord and yeah, we had a pretty successful walkout and open letter and, you know, trying to just make sure that, we show our leadership that we want to hold them accountable because, you know, it's, it was just like unacceptable, uh, the things that were going on. And I think all of us were just collectively horrified, shocked, and, you know, um, we put that into something good and something where we can show survivors that they're not alone.
2: I love, I, I just, I love the detail of someone donating porta potties because that's never a it's thing sick, I would have right? thought of, but like, <laughs> Yeah, you, might, you might need that if you're standing outside all day, you know.
7: Yeah, there was a row, <laughs> and then there was a, another game company donated a food truck, so they were coming and oh, cool. passing out food to people, which was wonderful. It was it was really a nice event, and people were riding on blue hearts, and our archivist at Blizzard saved all of them, so that that was really sweet. So
2: that's awesome. Yeah, um, there was a question that sparked in my brain, and I don't remember what it was. So I guess it wasn't that important, but I mean, yeah, it's really exciting to hear about. Um, Yeah, sorry, I've gotten myself totally thrown off. Um, So I think, you know, oh, I remember what it was. It's great, you know, we're talking about these ways in which, you know, we're supporting supporting each other within our companies and and showing solidarity that way but you know there's also these stories of showing solidarity sort of you know between between game companies and not even game companies but other companies i know that the folks over at image comics who are unionizing have contacted those of us at PISA workers and said hey like part of the reason we're doing this is because we saw you do it and we were like hey we could do that too so you know i guess just you know what what sort of solidarity like have you have you all been able to show not just within yourselves but like to other companies as well i know you talked about um just that you had organized a walkout with another company um so if you want to touch on that but like also you know what sort of support have you gotten from other game companies that you can talk about publicly obviously or just other unions in general
7: yeah, sure. Actually, a lot of people reached out to me when you know we were doing our organizing. Um, Ubisoft was one. And um, they also have a better Ubisoft uh, over on Twitter. Then they're organizing their workplace as well, I believe. Um, and right now, currently, uh, it's actually through ABK, but Raven Studio just was hit by layoffs. Um, a lot of the contract employees were... Uh, A third of the workforce was laid off. So right now, all of our QA department across ABK is uh, walking out until uh, their demands are met because it was an issue where they were told to relocate from Texas to Wisconsin and then promised that they were going to get full time positions and then laid off at the end of the quarter. So um, this is something that, you know, we obviously won't let happen in our company. And, uh, you know, an injury to one is an injury to all. So we're kind of just showing that solidarity with all of them, um, today and continuously, this is our first, uh, multi-day kind of initiative and, you know, kind of going from there, but yeah, um, it's been great to communicate with the wider groups and kind of see what went well and what didn't go for them. So, uh, yeah, just continuing to have those discussions is great.
2: Yeah. And I think that's, that's sort of another thing that the website will be able to do is sort of show us like, okay, you know, we had these, these walkouts and protests of the QA. Once those are uh, completed or resolved one way or the other, people will be able to see, you know, how they, how they were resolved or how companies fought back. So it's, you know, really important to share that information. Um and yeah, you know on that on that topic as well, um, you know at Pizo a lot of our books rely on freelance writers, uh, freelance designers, things like that because our company is so small that we don't have a lot of those uh, we don't have a lot of the resources that we would need in-house to have people on staff to write them. So we rely a lot on freelancers and I know that there was a question um, that came in asking about the The increasing use of freelancers and how that sort of impacts the approach to organizing, Um, you know, contract workers as well sort of fall under that. So I would love to hear, you know, Jenny, how talk about kind of how how that's impacting our organizing, but also for those of you, you know, at Activision and if you can talk to how you I don't know exactly what your freelancer or contract structure looks like there, but how that affects sort of the organizing as well.
0: So I think at at Paizo and companies like that, like smaller companies, we do have an edge in that regard because we, as as developers and designers, are oftentimes contacting and actually helping. Like we we don't actually send the contract and handle the legal side, but we are selecting and working with the freelancers and contractors that that work on the products we're leading. So that is a little bit easier because you're able to make a, more of a personal you know, business relationship with that person. You you actually get to speak with them and can, you know, have their contact information, even if it's just business. Of course, for us, we have conventions, um, you know, there's different conventions of different sizes where we've met a lot of these folks and become friends with some of them, or at least very, you know, friendly workplace acquaintances with them. So it's a lot easier. So in our case, it's easier to organize our colleagues. So I don't know how that is on your your side of, you know, of the fence, but I do feel like if, if at all possible for anyone who is looking to organize at their workplace, try to know so them standing strong with us made that impossible from the get-go like our company could not even attempt to do that they saw that solidarity and they also their cooperation just kind of helped us like helped buoy our spirits and helped us keep going when we were very stressed so i think for us the use of freelancers was positive um but again, we're talking about a smaller network of people with whom we've been able to form uh, form connections. But I do think that's what it's all about, is trying to remember, especially as work becomes more global and more people are working remote, that we are all people and there are there is a person at the other side of the screen. So trying to reach out and form a connection with them is something that will help us all with organizing.
2: Yeah. Um, Is there anything like I said, I don't know what what the sort of structure there looks like at, at Activision Blizzard. Is there anything that you all can speak to as far as how how the freelancers sort of what role they play and how how they can help support how it helps, you know, affect your your organizing over there?
7: Hey, sorry. I was trying to find the unmute okay. button um, Is this for like our contractors that are contracted through. ABK? Yeah. 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 yeah so- anyone
2: who's not a permanent worker isn't protected by some of the same labor laws that those of us who are full time workers are.
7: Yeah. So I actually got my start in the gaming industry as a contractor at Activision um, and then over to Treyarch and then Blizzard as a contractor and then went full time and then came back to Blizzard. Um but yeah, so the treatment of contractors and game development, I feel is just so it's like it's the legal limit that they're allowed to treat them. Like they treat them almost as if second class citizens and it really depends on if you have a great manager or not. Um and Even if you do have a great, a great manager, it's, it really goes by head count at the end of the day. But a lot of contractors I feel are strung along, um, to where like, you know, work really hard and we'll extend your contract. And, um, you know, like our Raven people that just got moved out to Wisconsin and now laid off, it's just like their whole livelihoods. Like they were promised that they were going to get, you know, um, like, you know, compensation and conversion and all that. And it just seems really unfair. And, you know, I want to shine a light on that practice, especially under game development, because I think we could do so much better for our contractors and they work on freaking amazing games that we all love. So, uh, they should be able to get a free version of the product at least, or, you know, something like that, but just, um, Super solidarity with them. Um, I I was growing up like in the industry through that. So um, I definitely don't want it to happen to anyone else. Yeah.
6: Speaking yeah, I from a strictly okay. Sorry, I need to jump in. No, no, please. Speaking as a current Blizzard contractor and from someone that's involved in organizing, it's very difficult because people don't have set contract ends. The people that might have been integral to your union organizing or any kind of effort can suddenly just be gone. Their contract is over and they're, they're not there to help you anymore. And that's something that isn't really talked about, that at will.
2: Yeah, I know that the 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 at will nature of employment in in a lot of places is one of the things that I know at PISA we're we're glad to to be done away with now that we are under a union that we can't be, you know, terminated at will, that there has to be a, a process that they follow. So more people should have those protections. I don't know. Just a thought. <laughs> Um, let's see. We had another uh, couple other questions uh, come in from chat. So I'm going to scroll back up and grab a couple of them. Um, yeah. So, you know, as we're talking about these these kind of labor actions that we're taking, these these walkouts, these these protests that we're doing is something that I definitely see a lot, uh, you know, especially like with the recent uh, Kellogg's strike that's happening is a lot of people are saying, OK, you know, now we have to boycott these companies because they're not treating their their workers right? You know, there's some that definitely think that and there's others that say no, don't do that, that that hurts the workers. So I'm curious as to sort of this group's thought if if boycotting a product is the most effective way to support workers, if there are other things to do. I'm curious as to as to anyone's thoughts here.
7: I can go again. I feel like I've been talking a lot, so <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm trying not to take over the whole. Um, but yeah, I have mixed feelings on this. While I believe that like the people that create the products, you know, that's their work, and we should be celebrating their work. Um, and it's just unfortunate. I feel like it's almost a lose-lose either way. I want to say like, you know, if you boycott the product, then the product loses capital. Then the least, vo- the most vulnerable workers are cut. And then if you boycott and like, you know, hurt them in, in their wallet and there's like enough visibility there, it might do some good. So really, it, it I don't like to tell people what to do. I think I just tell them to do what you feel is right. Um, I know like I've made personal choices to boycott products. I've made personal choices not to do that. It's just something that you have to reflect on with your own values and kind of ask yourself like does this hurt the workers is this you know in their best interest and go from there
2: Yeah, I know that's that sort of a, a big thing for, for us at Paizo when these allegations were all coming out. There were a lot of people talking about canceling orders and things like that. And Jenny, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I remember, you know, what I kept telling people was we're not calling for a boycott right now. So, you know, do what's in your heart. If you feel you can't support us, then do that. But, you know, I think also it, it's sort of different, you know, for for a small company like Paizo you know, I don't know, 50 people cancelling orders might do a lot of harm. I have no look at our sales numbers, but like, you know, I'm pulling a number. Whereas for, you know, a huge AAA company like Blizzard, you know, 50, 100 people cancelling orders is not that big a deal. So it's, I think it's also sort of different depending on the the company.
0: Yeah. And I, I agree with what y'all, are, what y'all are saying. Basically, there's, I, I think you do just as a, you know, as a person, you have to do what, what you think is right because Oh, it's And it's a really weird position to be in where you're saying, hey, my friends and I and my coworkers worked on this awesome product and it's so good. Like this game is so good and I'm so proud of it. But also our company is doing some really sketchy things and uh, we're, we're like organizing right now. And maybe, you know, we don't want to support them continuing these policies. So it's, it's hard to say <laughs> whether which has the most impact. And I agree. I agree with you, Jessica, that it's just it, it feels like a lose-lose sometimes sadly.
7: Yeah. And I will say like, if you want to help community, you know, community wise, um, we have a better ABK account on Twitter where we are very vocal and, um, working on organizing and then kind of like getting that bridge connection between the players and the organizers. Um, so yeah, feel free to check us out on Twitter. Just a a quick plug.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah. Uh, Jenny, do you remember our Twitter handle offhand? (laughs)
0: Uh, Yes, I want to say, I can check it real quick. I want to say it's just at Paizo Workers. Um, I'm like
2: 90% sure that's what it is, yes.
0: Yeah, (laughs) at Paizo Workers, so P-A-I-Z-O Workers on Twitter. Uh, We also have a website, uh, paizoworkers.org, or unitedpaizoworkers.org. Yes. Um, And that's another great way to support us, especially if you are boycotting products um, from companies that you're, you know, you're questioning the morality or ethics of their decision making towards their staff. Uh, You can definitely support workers um, directly there. I know that we have some merchandise we've made up that's going towards uh, kind of operating costs for the union and and potentially a like a mutual aid fund. I'm sure there are many others of those sorts of, of funds that exist exist. Um, and just even just leaving comments, like positive comments and reaching out and and reading, you know, if there's, a, if there's an action we're asking customers to take, like, hey, if you could sign this petition, you know, I know I saw several for Blizzard recently and signed them. Or, hey, if you could send an email to this person in our executive team and let them know, you know, you're not okay with
4: this or, or support this initiative. Those things could have an impact
2: yeah i you know i think i think for me the most important thing is just to kind of take take a cue from from the workers and if they're saying yeah you know don't go out and buy this product then you know don't do that but otherwise you know decide what's in your heart i'm not i'm certainly never going to judge anyone who says oh i don't want to support the executives because they're doing this um oh yeah um sorry i was reminded of a question earlier thank you Uh, Thank you, Aubrey. But, you know, another question that has that has come in from chat and something that I know that we get a lot and I'm sure that other people get when labor or they say, there's a lot of comments on the forums. Well, if things are so bad, why don't you just quit? You know, if it's if it's that bad. So, you know, how how do you all sort of respond to that argument, Aubrey, if you want to start that that we should you know, be happy to be able to do something that we that we love, that we should be so grateful to, you know, work for work for these companies and get to publish publish books. You know, how do you sort of respond to those kind of arguments?
6: So while we are very passionate about what we do that shouldn't be a blanket for discrimination, exploitation and abuse. We should be able to have a living wage and a thriving wage in an industry that is the fastest growing that the industrial world has ever seen. We have the ability to do and be better and we shouldn't let that we love what we do allow mistreatment and it's very important that we are always advocating for one each another and always standing up for one another to make our industry better.
2: Oh sorry, I thought someone else was jumping in there. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important to remember that, you know, people should be able to put food on the table and pay bills not to get radical, but
4: <laughs> in,
0: this, in this society. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, but I hope that one day, whoever it is that comes in and takes a position, like when I retire, when I move on, that they have a better, a better life too. And they're not under this constant stress and have this horrible environment where they don't feel safe and don't feel respected by their peers in their industry. Yeah. yeah and uh,
8: one thing you said um, as part of the, question was like uh, the argument is that like we should be happy to be able to do something we love and i agree um but the company we work for should be happy to be able to employ such competent and passionate people um, and the people who work on these games you know they're my heroes but they're also people and people shouldn't be treated like expendable commodities
7: agree Wholeheartedly there. Yeah. We should be nurturing passion, not exploiting passion. Yeah,
6: yeah, absolutely. I, ABK's yeah. spirit and heart has always been its people.
2: Yeah, and I think I think the past couple of months have shown those of us who work at Paizo who maybe weren't sure about it, that our community and is is the heart of what we do and our people are wonderful. And if you, you know, grind them into dust and, and spit them out, then it's it doesn't create a great culture. And you know, on that, uh, so a question that that someone else asked, especially for those of you over at Blizzard, you know, why why do you think it is that the QA people and the CS people, the, the customer service people, and the quality assurance people, for those of us who are not up on the industry lingo, why is it that they sort of get a lot of the the brunt of the of the abuse and the crunch culture in in work? Do you think is that is that a culture where it's just they're the ones on the bottom of the the pyramid, so they get crushed by all the weight on top? Is it people? Who are just sort of willing to to toil in those in those jobs? What do you think it is that sort of leads them to sort of suffer a lot of the brunt of it?
7: Yeah, I'll take this one. Um, so for me. I will say like I got into the gaming industry through quality assurance. Um, it is seen as, I don't agree with it, but it's seen as entry level, um, as, as well as our customer service, uh, avenues. And a lot of people actually use those avenues to go into other disciplines. However, um, personally, I see myself like as a quality assurance professional, and I believe that there is a career path there. I just feel that gaming in general is very behind in that regard, as well as like career advancement. Um, they definitely sell it as, you know, come work for a game company and then they don't tell you it's a contract position or like you, they, they like kind of rely on people not knowing their rights or not knowing, um, you know, how to get into the industry otherwise. So. It's it's used to um, kind of keep people at this like low bar. They're considered like the low you know, people in the company, which I like myself, Nora and Aubrey are doing a lot of work to kind of destigmatize that because we don't like the class separation that exists within that culture. And um, that's definitely something that's older and needs to be broken, like calling QA devs, QAR devs, you know, so that, those are conversations that we started having early and continue to enforce. But yeah, also, I think, Nora, did you want to speak on that a little bit?
8: I I was just going to agree. The visuals around QA and CS um, and the tendency to see those roles as stepping stones just makes it easier for them to take that kind of abuse.
2: Yeah, I know. I I know at Paizo, I I have to work somewhat closely with a lot of our, our customer service people just because of the nature of my sort of job on the operations side of the company. And they are some of the most hardworking people I have ever interacted with, but especially, you know, at the company and, you know, to see them get, get treated as expendable because, well, you know, it's just customer service. Anybody can do customer service. They're some of the most beloved people in our community. And so, you know, we have to, every worker should be treated as incredibly valuable, but especially those who are public facing and who are doing a lot of that grunt work, you know, they need to be they need to be compensated fairly, just like everyone else,
7: yeah. And I wanted to add there, like specifically for customer service, they are absolute champions because anytime any scandal or anything comes in the news, they are the first to hear about it because, you know, people don't really know how to vent their frustration. so they'll kind of vent their grievances with the company through customer service. And unfortunately, not only are they being abused by their employer, but as well as, you know, disgruntled um, players. So that's unfortunate as well. So we definitely, a lot of the solidarity there was just having conversations with CS. Like, how are you feeling? How are the tickets, you know? Um, And just going from there.
2: This is this is your semi-regular reminder to all the watchers out there that customer service and retail workers are people too. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and so to to follow up on that, actually, because this question has has just been sent to me, um, what do you think some some practical things are that we in the industry can do, and even outside of the industry, that we can do to sort of help break down that hierarchy where the the QA, the CS, these these people who are seen as as at the bottom of the pyramid are treated that way. What can we of do to break down that hierarchy?
7: I love that question. So just having yeah. <laughs> having conversations with the disciplines, like Blizzard had this program called CS for a day and QA for a day. So like it didn't matter what discipline you were in, you could go do their job for a day. And then you just learn the respect that like you have for these disciplines. Wow, these people are champions. They love what they do. And yeah, it, it's just a great thing to see. So I would say have conversations, like just have conversations with people in discipline. What's hard about it? What's great about it? Why, what What makes you happy to like come sit down and work for like what you do, you know, um, just kind of shining a light and destigmatizing the separation and the silo of the departments like definitely go by like call the call uh engineer and engineer don't just call them a developer like and then say developers and QA you'll say all of them are developers so then you can just call out engineering QA design you know that way you're not you're not you're being inclusive in your language with development because we are all developers if the if the product can't ship without your work you're a developer so <laughs>
4: Yeah, I think that's good. I think, you know,
2: it's it's important to to treat everyone as the the valuable individual they are and sort of use, like you say, the right terms for them. Call them, call them developers, you know, call the customer service representatives that don't, you know, just refer to them derogatorily. Um, a question that sort of specifically came in for abk but fun fact this also applies to paizo um you know for companies that have workers abroad you know abk has has locations abroad paizo has a couple of permanent full-time workers up in canada you know how how can we you know those of us who are organizing both at these companies and others make sure that we're including the workers that are at those organizations and ending those collective actions how do we make sure that those people are included can they be included Um, Jenny, I don't know if you want to speak to our friends up in the north.
0: Sure, I can I can talk about our our Paizo North as we're sometimes uh, calling it, even though there's there's only a few of them as yet. Um, so they have been we've we've been keeping them in the loop about everything that, you know, everything in regards to the organization. And unfortunately, they you know, because they're actually they're contracted through another company. That's just how international, um, like at least with Canada, I don't know the particulars, but unfortunately, they can't be part of our our union through CWA, but in talking with our CWA reps, we found out that they could actually qualify. They could have their own organization. Since there's a small number of them, you know, I, I don't know how, how that would work for them. I know for us, our union is small enough that we're part of a larger local, like a conglomerate within our region. Um, but that is, we've definitely passed that information along to them and let them know that just as they've, you know, vocally supported us on social media and kind of listened to us vent and vented their own frustrations and praised each other for the work they're doing, that we would be there for them. So, again, I think it's just as simple as having a one-to-one talk, uh, sending a message, talking to someone, asking if they need help, uh, getting any resources, and saying, "Hey." I'm here for you. Um, you know, I'm here to help you get those links, or you know, I have a contact I can put you in touch with. This is our our union rep or the the organizer we've been talking to. So that's that's kind of the the answer we have so far. Um, again, I'm sure it's different at a larger company with more um, out of out of the country contractors.
7: Yeah, I'll speak to that a little bit. So it is kind of interesting when you have such a big company like ABK because we span so far, right? And then having such a like we're all in one. Like Slack space, so we can all communicate with each other. So it's kind of interesting to see uh, a lot of the grievances that we share in the U.S. and people in other countries are like, "Wow, like, how does this even happen?" So a lot of it is just having like the one-on-one conversations, like Jenny mentioned, super important to know like what. What are the grievances in your location? What can we help you with? You know, just having those conversations and making sure everyone is aligned on a common goal. And that's solidarity, having everyone heard in the company and, you know, making sure that um, we're just connected and making like sharing that information with each other is really important too. Because you don't know what you're missing if you don't like have the thing that you're missing. So if someone from another country has a certain you know, benefit than they can share um, with us, then that's really helpful and will help us push for that as well.
8: Yeah. And Jenny touched on um, something. She mentioned something that I also wanted to reiterate for the ABK side of things. Um, I think it's really important to get people in touch with resources, particularly legal resources relevant to their region so that they can take action while also feeling prepared.
4: Yeah. One of the,
2: one of the things that i really enjoyed being able to do now that we are not spending quite as much energy on, hello, please recognize our union is sort of using our, our public platforms to be able to educate people on some of these union things that we're not really taught. And I think the game solidarity website, this is a plug, uh, is, is a great resource for that because there's a lot of these things that we're just not taught about in schools. Uh, you know, we don't learn about unions about what they can do for us. Um, and, you know, sort of, uh, sort of on that. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of take a, a step back before we, before we get too much further into this. And just talk
4: a movement for,
2: for labor organizing in general, sort of in. Country, Maybe even worldwide to some degree. And I just wanted to see, kind of get your thoughts on sort of why that is, why it is that these things are kind of happening and, and popping up now, generally, but also sort of specifically in the gaming industry. Like, what is it about now that is sort of leading people to say, huh, maybe we should be organizing, maybe we should be unionizing, actually? What, you know, what is it that's
4: kind of leading that t- I was trying
0: to. (laughs) I was trying to unmute. Mm. Um, I I think that it was about time for kind of a second labor movement in the United States. Uh, I think there's a lot of factors that are making this all kind of converge at the same time, um, even faster than it would have even 10, 15 years in the past. Obviously. We have the internet, so we have these tools like Discord that that all of us have used uh, to such good effect. Here, we have Twitter, we have Facebook, other social media sites, and for better or worse, we're all can, a lot of us, unless we actively choose not to, are connected. So we're seeing these ideas and we're seeing the news stories, both from you know news sites as well as people just like reporting. You know, they living you know their lives, um, the news as it happens in their eyes. So it's easier to see what others are doing and get inspired by it, um, get angry about something and, and decide we're going to take action. But I know for us, the pandemic was big because... You know, with so many people working from home still, I can't imagine having some of these conversations in our office. Our office is really small, and we have this. I've actually never worked a day in that office, but it it has a. It's like a little cubicle area um, for most of us, and I can't imagine you know turning to someone I'm sitting next to when I know that you know the executives are in an office with their door open, not like twenty feet away. And could overhear me saying, hey, this like, have, have we ever thought about unionizing? Uh, so I, I really think that's helped. Um, the pandemic has been like, and the last couple of years have just been very stressful for us all. But at the same time, a lot of us have had to step back and take stock of things. And I think people in general are realizing that their lives could be better. And if you're if you're kind of forced into like a small space where you live and work and you're not able to go many places outside of that, you you really start to prioritize and think about what are these things and people that I have in my life? And, and like, can my life be more? And do I want to go back to a normal uh, that maybe isn't good for most people? So uh, I think that's part of it about why now why this is all kind of happening and picking up steam.
7: Yeah, I definitely agree with you there, Jenny, Uh, especially for us, like in quality assurance, we had been asking for a little bit if we could work from home just because the price of living in Irvine is pretty expensive and you you need like several roommates uh, if you're in quality assurance or customer service. So we were told for years, like it wasn't going to happen. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. And like, we're doing it now, so uh, yeah. that was also a big um, pushing for like we should be pushing for more.
0: Yeah, hey, same here. Same situation <laughs> with us in in Seattle
4: area. So
2: yes, Seattle ain't cheap. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and to, to sort of follow up on on that as well, there was a question that came in um, a little while ago, but you know, gaming has also sort of been. Uh, very much, you know, a, a flashpoint in the in the culture wars in a in a lot of ways. You know, back in the 80s, tabletop role playing games, you know, meant that you were in a satanic cult and you were trying to summon demons in your mom's basement. You know, there's the whole saga of GamerGate, which we do not have time to get into here, but that was obviously a whole thing. And so, you know, how how important is it? Does that have any bearing on the the organization? Just the way that games sort of have become that that touchstone? How do we sort of want to respond to that?
0: Uh, my grandma still kind of thinks that like, you know, D&D Pathfinder is is maybe not evil, but she thinks it's really weird. So there's still there's still a lot of that cultural, like especially with older folks, there's that there's still that stigma. Um, I think that we are always going to be part of a, a flashpoint in, in like culture wars or just changing attitudes because games are distillation of, you know, of our, our human or really our cultural values and, and questions that are coming up in our society. It's our dreams. It's what we're imagining. It's what we're afraid of. It's, you know, it's scenarios that we're exploring and interested in playing with. So I think that's always going to be the case, whether it's, you know, the, the satanic panic or, uh, you know, anything else of like, you know, more progressive values uh, fight, you know, kind of stepping in and and being opposed to kind of a more, Conservative cultural standpoint that wants things to stay the same, um, or or yearns for a past that never even really existed. So I think we're always going to see that. But uh, I want to hear—I want to hear what Blizzard folks might think about that, or or other people here.
8: For me personally, like uh, when when anything like that happens, or like any, like I mean, my mom—I know that she doesn't like World of Warcraft. I don't think I ever told her I was going to go work for Blizzard. Um, I think she'd have a heart attack if she knew I worked for the company. made that game. Um but uh me personally I don't care. I ignore it. Um people are going to have opinions. Uh those opinions are going to be diverse and in some way that's pretty cool. Um but also I just choose not to engage or share my opinion. I like to listen to other people's as well. So it's
7: yeah same sentiment here. Um I can't speak for everyone but like I'll say myself and a lot of people I know definitely use video games to kind of like just dive into not reality, right? Like something that's not happening in front of you. Um, not dealing with your own stresses and it's, it's nice to kind of like, you know, hang out with your friends and play video games. Like it's just like a escape almost, um, from, you know, the day-to-day stuff that's exhausting and, you know, it should be, it should be also blissful for the people that work on those projects, right? Like you should want to feel, you should feel good to make a good product. So.
6: And something to talk about in that the culture war thing is that we're not just making games. We're making an interactive art. And the point of art is to reach multiple people i mean we're we touch millions of people every day with what we do and we need to have it open for a diverse level of experiences it doesn't work if your art is just directed at one demographic and not only that but we're also here to make experiences like one of the the biggest things for me uh was i my dad was a World War II vet. I was a team was in the 70s. Diablo II was the last game I played with him before he died. And video games began, became his way to relate with me. And I will never forget that. And it is really important that we allow other people to build those experiences with those that they love. And culture has nothing to do with that because that is universal.
2: I told myself I wasn't going to cry on camera, but that's that's beautiful, Aubrey. Thank you. Um, well, I well I try to put myself back together here. Um, we are we are coming up, you know, uh, shortly here on on time when we have to all log off and go go back to our day jobs. Um, but before before we do that, and before I give people sort of a chance to kind of uh, plug themselves and tell people where they can find you, I do want to. My hope is that at least one person watching this this talk, if not more, will say, you know what. I really want to get out there. I really want to start organizing my workplace whether it's it's a games workplace or or some other some other industry that you're in. So, my question for you all is, you know, what advice do you have for that for that person? What what are the first steps that that you take if you're like, "Hey, I want to make my workplace a better place for everyone who works here sort of where where do you start with that?"
7: Um, I will say just having those direct conversations with the people around you. um, Ask them what their issue is. Don't just start talking about yours. (laughs) Um, I mean, you can relate to them as well. But even like you'd be surprised having conversations with other workers like what their grievances are. And wow, I didn't even think of this. And you experienced it. So it's like nice to know that way when you do get to the broader scale of organizing, um, you'll know, okay, here are the things that we've already accounted for, um, going forward, like people, things that are people already have issues with or experiencing. So yeah, one-on-one conversations really important.
6: Something that I'll say onto that is be aware of what you can handle. This kind of stuff is really damaging to your mental and emotional health. You need to be prepared and have a check and balance system for yourself on when you can unplug and step back and when you need to step back for when it's healthy to you.
2: I, I want to throw it to Jenny and Nora, but before I just want to say that, you know, the organizing group at Paizo has been very fluid. People have, you know, stepped in and out as they have as they have had time and they have had the, the energy for it. And I think that's been really great for us because we haven't burned ourselves out. We, we've been able to pick each other up as we've gone on. So it's been really nice. And that's really great advice. Um, Nora, Jenny, any other advice that you have?
8: Uh, Yeah. I mean, just to build off of what Jessica said, talk talk to each other. Um, And I mean, people you normally disagree with is included in that. Um, It's important to connect to each other on a human level. Uh, And even though there's value, I think, in utilizing the momentum when you have it, sometimes you just need to hear what your peers are happy and unhappy about to uh, determine what the most significant issues are and determine whether you need to have uh, or whether you have their buy-in on certain issues before you start taking action.
0: Yeah. I absolutely agree with that. I think also just, you know, in addition to how important talking to other people and actually listening to them is just getting some resources for yourself. Like, I mean, for us, we chose CWA, which is Communication Workers of America. There are other unions out there, but just, you know, doing some basic education for yourself, just Googling, just going online and looking at those at those links and, you know, maybe seeing if you can send an email to an organizer or or a representative, like they're, they're really helpful. And that's, you know, that's free. There's not any kind of commitment until you've actually started, you know, a, a card signing campaign, um, and even then, things like dues don't come into play until after you've negotiated a contract with your company. So I would say talk to everyone and just get get educated. Like arm yourself with as much information as you can get. We're lucky because you know, as we talk to each other, we found out. Oh, hey, this person's already.
2: Those are, those are all really, really important advice. You've got to. You've got to talk to each other. You've got to listen. Uh, Jenny, I don't remember if it was you or another one of our organizers who said earlier the quote that stuck with me is the hardest part of starting this is just turning to the person next to you and just talking a little bit of treason with them and then just saying, "Hey, you know, how are you <laughs> feeling? What's going on?" You don't have to start with let's start a un- let's let's start a walkout <laughs> yeah. campaign. Let's start a petition. It's just, "How are you feeling, man? How's it going?"
0: Yeah. I don't think that was me that said that, but uh, I. But it is. It is really hard because you know, as one of the people who was trying to you know get get people in the right place to make plans, um, I wasn't the only one. But it was really hard because there are some people at my job that I don't know at all. Even though I mean, I can't imagine for like you know Nora, Jessica, and Aubrey at a big company that would be even more so. But even at a small company like Paizo or I guess medium company, whatever. I, there's people that I've never been in. I've never been in the office. I've never met some of these people. I don't, I couldn't pick some of them out of a lineup and, you know, trying to find a way to say, Hey, can you talk for a minute? Like on disc, like what's your discord or, or like they're finding their Twitter. Hey, do you have like five minutes? Do you want to get coffee? Or, or do you want to like get on a zoom call because of the, you know, the
4: pan- the
0: pandemic? Um. So yeah, that's, it's hard, but you can do it.
4: It's, you know, as possible yeah
2: um i say hello back to the game to the game makers of of finland hello love to see other game workers in chat um, yeah, and I mean, definitely, you know, if you're in the games industry in particular, get in touch. I know Game Workers Australia just announced a a relaunch question mark, but they've got they've got a website. So, you know, figure out who else is in your area as well. If you're if you're at the point where you're starting to look for resources and really sort of make a movement larger. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we are down to our last few minutes. So I want to say thank you all, you know, so much for for taking the time to join us all here for this event, taking the time out of your your busy days at our various game companies to, to talk about these these efforts, give some people some education. Thanks also to uh you know uh, Austin and, and Jamie for inviting us to this event as well. Um before we sign off, uh I just want to give you all a chance to shout out to people where they can find you on the internet. I know we've given our, our very various organizing Twitter accounts, but if there's any other things that you want to shout out anywhere else that people can find you.
7: Um, I will shout out my personal Twitter. I'm at blizzjess. I talk a lot about, you know, the current climate, uh, Activision Blizzard and uh, continue the heat on Twitter. If y'all want to follow me there (laughs) other than the uh, better APK account, but yeah, thanks.
4: Um I feel, you can, oh, go
6: fine. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're we good. were both go fighting fight. with fight. our mics at the same time. It was amazing. <laughs> I watched it both. I'm like, oh she, <laughs> <no>? I, okay. <laughs> um you can find my personal account at Cat on Coles at Twitter. I also post a lot of activism, but I am also big tabletop nerd. You'll see everything from art to, to, to war gaming. So feel free to come by.
2: Hey, have you heard of a little game called Pathfinder Second Edition? It's great. <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah, I know. I came in with one of my characters. Thanks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess I remember that that Zoom meeting. That was amazing. Um, that was so great. you can you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my personal Twitter is space princess underscore J, uh just the letter J. Uh, also, check out at Paizo Workers, as I mentioned earlier, for our official union account. My personal account, I do talk a lot about like activism and gaming and, and unionization. There's also just personal posting. And I'm also a big tabletop nerd, especially since I work for a company that makes it. And so that's at least work adjacent. But I, I, do, I do ramble on about Pathfinder and Starfinder quite a bit. So feel free to come say hi there if you'd like.
8: And my Twitter account is just Nora Valletta. Um, I don't really post. Um, in fact, I I barely know how to use Twitter. I think I actually once tweeted somebody's name, thinking I was typing into the search bar. Um,
4: <laughs>
2: yes, it's classic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, thank you all. Thank you all so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I will uh, throw it back to Austin to uh, close us out here today.
1: All right. Thank you very much, uh, Alex, Aubrey, Nora, Jenny and Jessica. Uh, It was a fantastic discussion, uh, really, really good and insightful. Um, I just wanted to say thank you for everyone for coming. Um, It's been a fantastic event, and I've really enjoyed this. as like a a celebration of uh, over a year's worth of work that we've done to build this website, come up with the idea, and kind of make it a reality. So um, yeah, this is going to be a a living archive project, so please add to it. Um, I'm sure that there's stuff that we missed. so we'd love to add it more. Um, yeah, uh, you can find me on Austin Kelmore on Twitter. Um, and also we just launched a, a Game Worker Solidarity Twitter account, which is GW Solidarity, uh, all one word. If you wanna follow that and retweet it, um, we'll be kind of uh, giving updates um, to uh, all of the events that kind of happen in the games industry uh, whenever we add something new to the archive. Uh, Jamie or Natalia, would you like to uh, plug your your uh, info as well?
5: Uh, we have a Collective Action in Tech Twitter at tech underscore actions, and our website is data.collectiveaction.tech. Uh, so check us out there.
3: Yeah, thanks everyone uh, so much. Uh, just very quickly, yeah, I'm jamie underscore woodcock on on twitter uh, and as austin says please do follow the new game worker solidarity twitter account and keep in touch with us um, so yeah thanks so much everyone
1: thanks for listening if you liked this episode subscribe to our podcast and to the haymarket books youtube channel where events like this one are hosted live and don't forget to check out
2: haymarketbooks.org